Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. What's going on? Coach Luca back here with the Vigor Life Podcast. And today, uh, apart from wearing my San Antonio Spurs hat, which was a gift, but it's almost, uh, you know, if you guys listen to the last podcast, the culture code, uh, you know, talk about like the San Antonio Spurs and, and Greg Popovich and how they, uh, why they have such an amazing culture. Well, this is kind of my reminder to myself uh, to, to pay attention to culture. But today's today's podcast is all about, you know, we've done this in the past. It's like, I, I'll just call it a coaching edition. So uh, when I say coaching edition, you know, some people say, well, this is for the coaches, right? So for fitness professionals, and which is true. But I would say this, you know, first of all, um, I'm a big fan of basically transferable skill sets. You know, when we talk about coaching, a lot of it is about, uh, not, you know, behavior change, change psychology, uh, social sciences, uh, pedagogy, you know, so like a lot of different things that can be transferred to other areas, you know, whether I don't know if you're in real estate, if you're, you know, business coaching and consulting, if you're, uh, if you're a parent, you know, a teacher, whatever it may be like, this is going to, this is going to, going to help you out. But also, uh, you know, for the person that is actually the, you know, uh, that's trying to change. So if, if, if you're looking to lose weight, uh, you know, make a transformation, get healthier, you know, improve your blood work, uh, get out of pain, like all these different things, like these things matter. Um, and, you know, and that's why it's so important when I say, you know, it's the coaching edition. Think of it as I'm either talking to you as a coach, but I'm also talking to you as a client or end person where you it creates some awareness and reflection. So the thing that we're going to talk about are some perspectives, like some lessons, um, as well as principles and also methods and tactics. So I might be sharing things that are uh, like tactical, like, hey, do this or here's some questions to ask yourself. Um, and we're going to cover a bunch of different topics, you know, starting with and, and here's why. OK, so. You know, while I, I love to discuss, you know, and have, uh, I'd say, yes, when we're talking about the X's and O's of nutrition, I don't think there's anything wrong with that uh, at all. I think there's a lot of people covering that. I think there's so much information around it uh, that, you know, you you get the, the gist. You know, you kind of know the next thing to do or you know the, the, the food that would be a better option for you, right? But this, the stuff that I'm going to talk about today is like deeper things. It's the X's and O's that make us shift, that make us take different action that make us become aware of the things that we're doing and and change so we're gonna dive in and some of these things i've talked about in previous podcasts uh but i'm just gonna go a little bit deeper on each one of them so uh first of all like you know goals is this is the lesson of like the goals without gravity have no weight and uh you know it keeps it keeps like i wanted to talk about this one because one you know i'm i'm also a marketer right because Marketing is communication, and I and I market uh, our business and and my businesses, whether it's consulting, whether it's training, whatever it may be. And you know, you're seeing a lot of this. Uh, I would say promises and and, and exaggerations uh, in a marketplace, uh, whether it's you know challenges to to lose X Y Z amount of weight in a certain amount of time and get your money back or whatever it may be. And once again, like, look, you do whatever you want to do. I'm not not necessarily judging this. I'm I'm coming from a perspective of of behavioral sciences, like what works and what doesn't work, right? And and the, the reality is is that most of the time, when you set a, go- a goal like something like, hey, I want to lose ten pounds, um, you know, and 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 that person like 
for instance, this is an example, right? A person comes to you and says, hey, I want to lose 10 pounds. You know, you measure the body fat and, and it's in the athletic range, right? So it's in the athletic range as far as like, they're, they're pretty fit, you know, person, you know, she wears a size four, she's fit and active. And, and you go like, hey, why do you want to lose those 10 pounds? Uh, you get the answer, I need to be leaner. I feel like I should be leaner, that magic word, should, right? But why? Um, I just do. Makes me, make me leaner, like help me get leaner, right? Uh, so the thing is that in, in that scenario, no matter how lean you help that person become, you know, I bet if you keep working with that client, you won't get anywhere, even if, if you do make her leaner, more ripped, whatever it may be, right? She won't be satisfi- satisfied or successful in her own mind because her goal has no gravity, it's not meaningful. It's just something she feels she should do based on, you know, who knows what here. Like it could be social pressure. It could be, so, uh, you know, social media or like what the magazines portray, whatever it may be, right? So you see, because goals without gravity have no weight, right? Goals without gravity are goals that aren't aligned with our values. This is so important, right? Goals without gravity are goals that aren't aligned with our values. So now we may think that they are. For instance, Right? And, and, and I've been here, first of all, like I, I can raise my hand and say I've been here, right? For instance, the client probably feels that her identity is a fit person and that should lead to the goal of getting super lean, okay? Maybe you've, maybe you've faced that before, okay? So, uh, and, and the thing is now from that, you might, you might, you know, working on getting super lean might get you OCD and stressed out in the process, right? But even if you do get there, that person still won't feel satisfied because in fact, the goal didn't reflect anything meaningful. It was a should goal. Well, I, sh- I, sh- I should get lean. Well, why? Right? So remember that, that either way, accomplishment of a goal without gravity just doesn't feel good. It's like one of those things where you get there. It's like the making money part. Like, and I've, I've, I've got there too, right? Where it's a should. Well, I should make money because then I'll be significant. Then, you know, I'll be able to do that. Like there's nothing deeper. Uh, so there's no satisfaction or a sense of, yeah, you know, yeah, buddy. Um, it's just it's just a whole lot of work with a little bit of reward. So you got to start with self, right? And determining your own goals, whether it's like for whether you as a coach, right, in business or when you're setting up goals for yourself, and body transformation and now you know over the course of 13 years actually even more but like you know thousands and thousands of clients and and you know a lot a lot of studying like you kind of start realizing this that you know to get a true body transformation nutrition improvement you know fill in the blank or whatever you want to do in life you got to begin with identity and values i didn't know it's like it's so right this is a challenging part because you know, if I'm going online and I'm going in, in marketing, for instance, like, and you put that out there and you go like, hey, you know, start with identity and values. That's not that's not a solution to somebody's problem. But we'll, we'll dig into that and talk a little bit about this. Right. So but, you know, this doesn't mean like giving like intense psychotherapy and trying to be a psychiatrist, any of that, you know, or personality tests. Uh, it just means asking thoughtful questions about what's important to them, listening, observing carefully, uh, you know, basing your coaching decisions and behaviors on the evidence that you get from that, right? That's what it means. It doesn't mean like, I'm not here going like, listen, when are you going to have to take a, you know, psych degree and, and dig so deep and know all this stuff? No, like it's, it's like just value-based goals can be as simple as helping a client prioritize and decide which step to take next, right? Based on their values, right? So, Think about those things and and also, you know, ask yourself like how, uh, you know, how that 
how that relates to you, right? Because as coaches, I think one of the most important things is that we always go like, you know, well, how do I approach a client? How do I coach a client? But also like this goes for you. You have to do these drills yourself, right? So the, the truth is that the more closely that your coaching practice matches the client's identity and the values, the more closely you coach from your own identity and values, right? So that's the more, the more success you'll have and the more energy you have to pursue that practice because it's in alignment, right? So in terms of long-term performance, intrinsic mastery, we talked about intrinsic motivation and how important it is. The enjoyment of meeting one's own deeply held goals and confirming one's like self-concept, like that's the whole goal of it. So here's a little drill like this. I love this drill. And, and a lot of people don't, you know, have never really truly done this. So when I do this with clients, it's like, whoa, you know, it, a lot of things come to light. And there's, it's, it's basically a, a, a three-pronged approach, right? You're going you're gonna to ask yourself three questions. You're going to kind of fill in the blanks, okay? So to, to see where your values come from, you're going to fill in three, three columns, right? The first one is going to be, I'm the kind of person who, and then just dot, 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 right? I'm the kind of person who, and for instance, that that could be, uh, you know, works hard or uh, likes to be very hands-on or I'm giving, whatever it may be, right? I'm the type of person who, like, da, 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 fill, fill that in, right? Remember, this is a drill now. The second column right next to it, so it's like you would be, you would, one would complete the next, right? And it's important to me that, da, da, da. So I'll give you an example. I started, I said, hey, I'm a kind of person who works hard, and it's important to me that I put in a good effort, right? And then the third column is, so I'd feel good about accomplishing, right? So here the answer might be something where I really see the results of what I've worked towards, right? That's some intrinsic motivation, but that's something that you'd fill out to even start finding out what your values are, what type of person you are, right? So remember, three columns, I'm the kind of person who, dot, dot, dot. Second column. And it's important to me that, dot, dot, dot. And number three, so I'd feel good about accomplishing, dot, dot, dot. Okay? This is, essentially, we call this identities, values, and goals worksheet. And, you know, remember that our values flow from our identities, so who we think we are. And the answers that you want to, uh, the, the questions that you want to answer when it comes to this is things like, what do I want to be? Like, so maybe this is something that you should write down in a journal. And, and you know, these are really great exercises that is really easy to say, ah, they're foo and skip them through, right? But, but sitting down for like 30, 60 minutes in a comfortable place, like, I don't know, on a Sunday, chill, but like answer these questions for yourself. Most people never even like go and dig deep into that. So what do I want to be? Who do I want to be? What's important to me? Like what's right, right? What is right? And what really matters in life, right? We can't hold our values in our hands, but we can pursue experience and live them, right? So in fact, in order to be truly happy, we must live in congruence with our most deeply held values. Now, check this out. And I, I'm going to give an example from my own life here, right? If we don't, our bodies and minds fight us and our lives suffer. And to see what I mean, like think of a time when you did something that went against your values. And look, I'm, I'm going to bring out something really painful, right? Like uh, I say painful, I mean... Uh, I've, t I've talked about past, I would say, harsh experiences, uh, you know, 
past parts of my life, but you know, one part of my life certainly was was a part of my life where I was in organized crime and I was doing shit and dirt, dirt and like, you know, uh, whether it was robbing, stealing, selling drugs, whatever it may be. And man, like I never, you know, it's it's like subconsciously you never feel good about that, right? And 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 of course because you're not aligned with who you are, like. You're, you suffer, right? You suffer either psychologically, it could be physiologically, you know, stress, headaches, you know, uh, not sleeping, you know, wh- whatever it may be, like sedation, right? Because a lot of times when you do the things that are not in, in uh, congruence with your values, you sedate, you know, you can sedate with social media, you can sedate with drugs, with alcohol, with food, with, uh, you know, judgment, with advice, with anger, with, you know, there's a lot of different things. And, and and that was you know uh, that was not a great time for me right like and, and I felt I would say shameful and guilty around those things that repeated itself when in my life when I went through divorce you know and cheating and and uh, and like I said another you know because I would consider like so let's say you consider yourself an honest person right recall or think about the last time you told a lie so I'm a big you know uh, like for instance loyalty is a massive value to me I mean I have you know tattooed all over my body and stuff. And, and you know, for me, like, then I was disloyal. And, like, I, I hated that. And that's why, you know, um, and this goes maybe into a different podcast here, but the point of, of the matter is that if you, uh, uh, you know, if you've ever went through, like, Debbie Ford, Debbie Ford's uh, books, you know, Why Good People Do Bad Things or uh, Dark Side of Light Chasers, right? When something triggers you, disloyalty triggers me, Right. Uh, it triggers me so massively that it's hard for me to explain. And, you know, I know one of the reasons, like, you have to, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, why, did, why does that happen? Well, one of the reasons for me is that I hated myself uh, when I was disloyal, right? And so, you know, think about that. Like, how did, you know, but think about how did that make you feel when you weren't living in alignment with your values, right? Probably pretty shitty, right? I mean, I can tell you right now, I still get kind of um, emotional, when I think about those things uh, in my life, right? But then, you know, flip the coin and remember the last time you stood up for your value of, you know, loyalty or honesty um, and even told the truth even when it sucked. And, you know, it, you know even, though, even when you go against your value, you feel badly, it drains your energy and vitality. But when you do it, like, even though it's hard, you feel good about it, right? It's like, I know the analogy of like, hey, you can go and, you know, sleep good at night, but that's true. Like when we live our values, we feel good and we're able to fully express our potential. Things just click, right? We live and work with integrity, with authenticity, with energy, with power. And so this might, once again, right, it's it's one of those things that most people don't bring up, but it's something that's very important. So you got to start asking yourself, do your actions match your values? And you know, the five wives, I actually talked about, I mentioned it as the five, six, and seven, but we're just going to, here, we're just going to allude to it to the five wives. You know, when people say, uh, and this actually came from, I didn't know that. I, I did a little bit of research. I didn't know that this actually came from the Toyota Motor Corporation. I, I got it from some coaches back in the day. Um, and the thing, but it's, it, it's, uh, it's very simple and it really cuts to the core of why we want something. Right? So the idea is that when you want to accomplish something, if something goes wrong, you ask one why. Hey, why do you want to accomplish this? Okay, then whatever you come up with the outcome, like you ask another why and you stack it. So let's let's look at this. Uh, you know, obviously in the, in the world of body transformation, I want to lose fat. Why do you want to lose fat? Because I want to fit in smaller size jeans. Why do you want to fit in smaller size jeans? Why does that matter? 
Because when I'm wearing smaller size jeans, I think I look better. Why do you want to look better? Why is that important to you? Right? I always start with why, but I'm just adding some other questions. Because when I look good, I feel good about myself. Why do you want to feel good about yourself? Because when I feel good about myself, I'm more assertive and confident. Why do you want to be more assertive and confident? Because when I'm more assertive and confident, I'm in control. I'm better able to get what I want out of life. Wow, like that's, that's a lot of detail for, for only five questions, right? But now we got kind of like to the bottom of it that this person wants control. They want confidence and they want control. They want to, be, they want to feel like they can take responsibility and make shit happen in their life. They want control, right? But, but the, the first step of that was losing fat, okay? So an example above, like losing fat really meant being able to get what, what this client wanted out of life, right? So that's a critical insight. It's, just, it's, not, about, it's not about losing fat, right? And if, if, like I said, if you're a coach, a nutrition coach, a wellness coach, a health coach, uh, you know, you have to speak to your client's deeper values and motivations if you want them to move forward, right? And, you know, this person wants to be more assertive and more confident. Help them get there. That's, that's, really, that's, that's really what it's about. And, like, right now, you know, if you have a goal, I would say do this drill yourself. Because the thing is, if you get done with this podcast, honestly, and you just do one of the things I'm talking about, like, you to really take action on it, but you do it yourself. Like, you can't go, you know... It's like, okay, great, I'm going to use this drill, Luca. I'm going to go and use it with my clients. But you never really dug, dug in for yourself and found out what are your values, right? You can't, like, that's the thing is you got to live this stuff, right? You got to live this stuff. So that's my first kind of uh, lesson. We, we kind of brought it together, right? The first one, uh, finish with the five whys, like understanding like your values and, and making sure that your goals have gravity. Without that, once again, this is foundational. We could talk about information left and right. Right. But the thing is, if, the, if when things get hard, when you get to what's what I call the messy middle, right, the messy middle, it's like you start a transformation at the beginning. It's like, hoorah. Right. Then you get to the messy middle when shit gets hard. If you if your goals don't have gravity, you know, and it's not attached to your personal values, that's going to be very difficult. Right. One of the other things that I talked about uh, when I was just on a Marvel Health show, which you should definitely listen to that episode. I think it's like the top two episode in the country right now. Um, so the model health show, my friend, Sean Stevenson, fantastic stuff. I was just on a show. Uh, we talked about this a little bit, but, uh, you know, we talked about the reason, one of the reasons why, even though in the U S you know, in the last 20 years or 16 years, I think, uh, was the data, you know, men train hundred percent more women train 50 plus percent more, uh, you know, the gym membership, uh, have gone up 65% and yet at the same time, obesity is higher than ever. Um, you know, Cardiovascular diseases are higher than ever. Seven of the top 10, uh, I would say, uh, causes of deaths are, are diseases that are preventable because they're, uh, they're chronic, right? They're, they're, they're things that we elicit with our behaviors and lifestyles. And so obviously, like, even though we train, Americans train more than majority, if not all, of other, other countries. And yet still we have this problem, right? And so... And that's going to be a separate kind of podcast in itself. But I wanted to start that off like why, uh, you know, that stress um, and actually like not recovering enough, but actually too much stress. And we'll have bad stress and we have good stress. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But because of those, uh, you know, th- this one of the reasons why we're not changing, meaning that, that we're not getting results um, even though, uh, like I said, even though there's more activity than ever, there's more, you know, gyms than ever and people are more active than ever. Okay. So, 
But I'm going to have you start with kind of like this part with a stress test. Okay, so grab a piece of paper. Write down all the things in your average day that could possibly be a stress on your body, mind, and emotions, right? And let's, you know, once again, this is like a pause the podcast if you want to um, and do this drill, but you could go, you could get through the end of the lesson and then do it, but check this out. So I'm going to give some, just some examples of maybe an average, you know, an average person's day or something like that. Boss yelled at me, rushed around to see clients, worrying about money, commuting, kids were crazy, crummy weather. Kids also woke me up early. Shit. Uh, girlfriend, boyfriend got pissed at me this morning. I think I might have eaten, eaten some bad chicken in my salad. That salad looked uh, suspect, right? So if you're like most people, you're like a camel carrying a big load of straw with these combined life and work stresses. And you have to think about that. Like, you know, all that mental, emotional stress is stress. It's straws on a camel's back. So the pile of straw is the cumulative total of all the stuff in your life that causes physical, mental, and emotional stress. And, uh, you know, if you want to get really geeky with it here, it's called allostatic load. If you, uh, you guys should certainly do the, uh, next time it comes around, my, my good friends, Joel Jameson's Bioforce conditioning course, uh, the best conditioning course out there on the planet. Um, I'll put a link down in a, in a note, in a note section, but, uh, very, very, very good. It talks about a lot of this. Uh, now the thing is, but now also think about, you know, if, if, like I said, if you're doing fitness, um, you're trying to make a transformation. Some of these things might come up as well. And the list might look like this. And I, I'm out of shape and I feel lousy. I have low energy. Uh, my gut hurts from, you know, having tight hips and my gut pulling on my spine always shifting me forward. My knees and hips hurt from the excess weight I'm carrying. Um, I'm afraid that my uh, nutrition plan might not work. I failed so many times in the past. Like, can I even really truly get results? Um might be like, hey, I'm intimidated by this really super fit trainer right now that I'm uh, that I'm working with, uh, you know. But you get the idea. Your, your clients aren't dealing like, and it might be like I said, insert not just you, could be your clients, could be you. This is for anybody. Um, not only dealing with like the normal life stress, right? They're dealing with the stress of being underfit, over fat, and unhealthy, which you know is obviously a huge stress. So being unfit and poorly nourished creates its own stress. Like once again, you know, the mental, the emotional stress. But then physically, like I said, having unhealthy joints, bad positioning, uh, you know, no conditioning, no strength. So that, that creates another set of stress. So we have to look at life as good stress and bad stress because some stress is good stress. And you call this uh, the, the I would say the official term for that is called you stress. So good stress pushes you out of comfort zone, but in a good way. Right. Good stress helps you learn, grow, get stronger. I always talk about that resistance. Resistance is not a bad thing. I talked about the game analogy, which I might come back to later today. But, you know, example, riding roller coasters is fun and exciting. Lasts a short time. You feel like, woohoo, you know, afterwards. Uh, now, that's if you like roller coasters. I'm not the biggest roller coaster fan uh, of all time. Uh, people will tell you that. I've, I've been pushed to do it because I was like, man, man I ain't scared. I ain't scared. Um, but, you know, Exercise can be another form of good stress. It, it is, right? If, once again, not too much of it, okay? So, but most of the time, think about it, right? You feel uncomfortable for a little while, but then you feel good afterwards. You get endorphins, dopamine, epinephrine. Uh, you know, after you're done, you feel great. So, think about this. Like, good stress is short-lived. It's infrequent. It's over quickly. And what it means quickly, I mean, in a matter of, you know, minutes or hours. 
can be po- it can be part of a positive life experience. It inspires you to take action. That's good stress. Help build, helps build you up. It leaves you better than you were before. So even though there was resistance, it was challenging as fuck, right? Like it made you better, right? But the thing is, if you rode that roller coaster constantly, right? I lifted weights four hours a day, every day. Now it doesn't seem so much fun, but you know that kind of leads into the whole thing. Is like if you're stressed all day, if you don't sleep much, right? And we'll get to that. Um, now all of a sudden stuff starts happening that's not good for you. So that's bad stress. Now bad stress lasts a long time. It's chronic. We talked about you know chronic diseases. It's ongoing. It's negative, depressing, demoralizing. Right, whereas that you might have those things happen for a while, but if it's ongoing all the time, right, then that's no bueno. Then it can demoralize you, it can depress you, it can break you down, leave you off worse than you were before. That's bad stress. So there's one key feature that distinguishes good from bad is how well the stressor matches your ability to recover from it. Now, you know, we could go deep into this one, but depending on you know how much stress you can actually handle. Now, whether it's in training, whether it's in conditioning, whether it's in stress and mental capacity, emotional capacity. That's why, you know, I always talk about the concept of it's easy to see weightlifting, right? It's like, you know, you're lifting weight to get stronger physically. But I also talk about mental weightlifting and emotional weightlifting, spiritual weightlifting, right? Things that build your capacity in other areas of life. So we kind of got to find that stress sweet spot, right? So each of us has a unique recovery zone, whether, that, whether that's physical or psychological, right? I mean, you see uh, somebody like David Goggins, right? That has like just crazy psychological uh, uh, capacity because he's built it up, right? But our recovery zone depends on several factors such as age and life experience. That's a big one. Like, look, I'll, I'll be real. I look back and I look at all the uh, the challenges that I've had in my life, and I've had many, like many and many, many challenges, and everybody's had a lot of challenges. And some, you know, I probably look at some people's life and go like, holy shit, like theirs was worse than mine. But, you know, I've, I've certainly had my fair share, uh, I would say, more than most. And and I look back and I'm, I'm appreciative of it because it's helped me build my capacity in life. You know, I, I haven't, I feel like I've lived a very full life in, in, the, in the time that I've been on earth. Um, also, you know, our natural personality type, you know, are we adventure seeking adrenaline junkies or calm, sensitive homebodies? And you, you know, some people are born with more adrenaline than others. If you're born with more adrenaline, like you might be on a couch chilling and that shit's exciting to you, right? If you have no adrenaline, that's the guy that's like, oh shit, like let's jump off this cliff, right? Uh, so personality types are stress resilience. So how will we cope and rebound from stress overall? And that's something that can be built up for sure, right? Uh, And you'll see that, like, man, some people haven't really gone through a lot of stressful situations in life. So when stress comes, they're just debilitated by it. But, you know, we've talked in previous episodes on how to do that. And then there's uh, our allostatic load. So what else is going on in lives generally? But the thing is, the recovery zone kind of looks like this, right? So imagine a chart, right? You have performance on the vertical line, and then you have... stress on a horizontal line so less stress performance is like eh, you know like if i'm not giving you a bunch of stuff whether it's training you might be like "Eh, this ain't shit right then it's like oh oh you got my attention then it's like crushing it rocking like man this is like this is this is peak for me right i'm working on cylinders so my performance is at my highest and my and my my stress is kind of like they match right but from there on there on out when the stress starts coming more than that, it's like, oh shit, starting to freak out, 
right? But the, the curve starts going down and then it's crash and burn. And that's why you have, you know, I, I, when I was 17, I had legitimate OTS. It's called overtraining syndrome. Um, bodily functions. I mean, I shut down. Like I was essentially depressed. I could not sleep. Uh, horrible. Went through all types of tests. I mean, it took me months and months and months to, to start coming out of it uh, because I was, you know, training like a madman. I was, uh, you know, I was, a, I was a crazy, I was that guy where it was like running the streets, you know, uh, being involved in a lot of stressful activities that included, you know, criminal activities. I didn't sleep as much, right? And it, it shit hit the fan and it's like hit that crash and burn. But you'll see this happen also in work environments, right? Even though even though somebody doesn't actually train physically, they might burn, like they might burn out because the mental and emotional stress are, are too much and, and, and that happens, right? So if the stressor is too low, not too, enough to cause a reaction, nothing happened. You're like, you're going to go, it's going to be the same as before, no better, no worse, right? If the stress is too high, too strong or lasts too long or outpacing your recovery ability, then you eventually break down. So, and if the stress is within your recovery zone, neither too much and too little, it doesn't, doesn't last too long, then you recover from it and get better. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, which, you know, a big part, point in time is, is like, sometimes people like, and that, you know, that was me too, where it's like, man, I got to crush myself, crush myself, crush myself. But really, there's just the right amount of stimulus that helps you continue growing at the same time. And, you know, Joel's done a lot of research in that in conditioning is, you know, you want to be just past your comfort zone and you got to really know how to recover, right? So, you know, you want to balance your demand. So you want enough good stress to keep firing under, under your butt, but not as much that will, you know, break down and burn out. So, and this applies to exercise nutrition, as well as work overload, as well as like life mental stress overload, right? And it holds true for you, your clients, everybody, right? The, the optimum zone depends on your allostatic load. And that's just like a, a you know, it's a, a fancy term, but it just means all the different stresses that you have in life. And this is why this becomes important, right? Because as a coach, you need to learn to balance your own life workload and exercise nutrition and responsibilities as well as your clients, right? So putting this into practice, okay? And, and this is what I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you, right? What good and bad stress are you experiencing today, right? How can you put yourself into the optimal stress zones? So this is something that you want to like really kind of uh, uh, ask yourself as far as like writing out like what's good stress in your day and what's bad stress in your day and like just make charts because you want to start shifting that somewhat and just like we always talk about the one habit at a time like this is something that you can essentially uh, I would say shift right like okay cool like I, I'm now I'm aware of it I'm aware of my bad stress and my good stress how can I focus on more good stress, less bad stress? And those are going to be actionable steps, right? But just remember that, you know, when people come and go like, you know what, I got to get in the best shape of my life. I'm going to start training seven days a week. But we look at their allostatic load and it's just like, you know, they're not sleeping much, right? They're really stressed out. They might, you know, uh, they're, they're an industrial worker and they might be, you know, on a job 10 hours a day already super physically active, Okay, those are all like factors. That's why you have to look at their, their days and find out more. And you got to look at the same for you. Once again, every one of these is, is a look at yourself and then also look at how you're coaching others. Okay, now I'm going to go through this one a little faster, but man, I could still, like, I promise you, I mean, we, we've been going through a, a six-week program that's ending right now. Uh, and like I said, to us, this is a catalyst, but, you know, the behavior versus outcome goals. Now, remember, what is an outcome goal? An outcome goal is, uh, 
run a 5k race within you know time of 20 minutes do 10 push-ups uh eat serve four servings of vegetables a day right and you know what's the behavior goal that's connected to the ones that i just said okay well run for 20 minutes three times per week for the next month and then just gradually run a little bit faster and like you know Obviously, look at your pace through through a watch. Uh, practice doing four push-ups every day. Add one push-up per week, right? Write a list of six ve- vegetables that you're going to eat and go to the grocery store every you know Monday, Tuesday, whatever that you want, and buy those and make meals from them, right? See, see, notice how some are out- outcome goals and some are behavior goals. And remember, you can't control the outcome, right? So no matter what, like if you go to the you know the the, the smartest human beings on the planet and go like, can you guarantee me that I'll lose X, Y, Z amount of weight? You know, they won't be able to because there's so many factors. That's an outcome goal that's influenced by so many different things, right? From genetics, but mostly, you know, lifestyles, behaviors, uh, health history, you know, you might get sick, you, you might, you know, you might have a different predisposition and past behaviors that led to some metabolic adaptation and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, you, so you can't truly control that. It's kind of like putting your house on the market. You know, you could, you know, you can fix your house up, you can, you know, make it nicer, you can do the right marketing, but you can't control the market, right? It's the same thing. You can't control the market. You can just control the behaviors. And so that's what we want to focus on, Okay. Now, notice how all the behavior goals are a commitment to do a specific set of actions or tasks, right? It's very easy to look at the behavior and go, did I do that or did I not do that, right? Because if you step on the scale, like, you know, a perfect example is like you could have been super stressed out or going through a menstrual cycle or, you know, ate some more sodium or I mean like just so many different examples where just hormones are out of whack so you're you know holding on to more water and that's like three four pounds up right you can't influence that necessarily I mean look your behaviors can influence that to a degree but what I'm saying is like you'll you'll lose your mind trying to control outcome goals like but behavior goals you can control right so notice that also behavior goals are things you can do consistently and regularly so again I'm repeating this. You can't control the outcome, but you can control the behaviors that when done consistently will lead to the outcome faster, right? So this is where I'm a big fan of the habits and go like, somebody goes, okay, I want to lose 20 pounds. Okay, great. Well, you know, what are some things that you feel are big, biggest bottlenecks that you can start doing? And a person might say, well, uh, I got to cut down my portions. Okay, great. Well, what's one way that we could do that? Smaller plates, uh, you know, doing a meal delivery that's already portioning it out to the, what I need, right? Those are all specific action steps because you could go, okay, great. So we could do a smoothie in the morning, right? Behavior. Did you have your smoothie in the morning that consisted of, you know, spinach and blueberries and half a banana and almond milk and whey protein and, you know, a little bit of MCT powder, whatever, right? Like, but you could say every more, that's a behavior. It's like, did I get that smoothie? Okay, cool. Did I have a, a pre-prepared lunch, Right? Those are behaviors, but you can't say, well, I for sure will lose X, Y, Z amount of weight if I do that, right? So focus on the behaviors, and when you do those regularly, that's what, you know, uh, is going to get you to your goal. Now, we always say, like, what's your big goal, right? And then I'm, I'm a big fan of doing the, okay, so what are you going to do this month? All right, cool. What are you going to do this week? What are you going to do today? Breaking it down to practices. No matter how many times I say this, I still not only you know, speak to a lot of coaches, but a lot of clients that um, start, you know, start, there's frustration so that when you get frustrated, you start focusing on the outcome again versus on the behavior. But there's nothing more beautiful than when you can go and look back at two weeks and go like, look, 90% of the time I did these tasks. Like I hit the, you know, I hit vigor ground four times this week. 
I had my power smoothie that fits my, my, my goals. Uh, man, I ordered, you know, I ordered a meal prep company and I'm getting five lunches every week and they taste delicious, right? If you start ticking it off, that's when we see people also, you know, getting the results faster and feeling better about it. Um, so make sure that, you know, that that's something that you're focusing on behaviors versus outcomes, right? So how do we measure progress though? Okay, and I I love this question. I've been using this question, not just in, I would say, fitness, but also in business. But, you know, here's a simple scenario that you can do with yourself, uh, you can do with clients to help communicate the the measurement process, Um, you know, essentially the transformation. This is why this is so important, okay, because so many times we just take like the measurements to be like very uh, uh, across the board. Oh, well, we're just going to measure weight and we're going to measure uh, body fat percentage. But maybe that's not what we need to measure. Maybe that's not what's important to somebody else. Okay. Or, you know, if you're in a company, like, are we just measuring revenue? Well, maybe we need to measure profits. Actually, maybe we need to measure, you know, if the culture is improving. Okay. What's important? So this is a question. You can write this down. Okay. Imagine that tonight as you sleep. Your work world magically changes. You wake up tomorrow morning with everything you've ever wanted. Every life change, every goal, everything you've ever striven for has been achieved. Now, you don't know how this wondrous transformation occurred. You were asleep, after all. But you do know that it's perfect. You open your eyes, yawn, and look around. Now, answer these questions for me, okay? How will you know that your life has changed? And which specific things are different? So when you answer those questions, that's going to, like, number one, spark an interesting discussion and, and show you some ways to measure progress for you, for your clients, in any situation. Because how we know that your life has changed, for instance, I got, this is actually an answer for me, like, after I had really big back issues, I, I had, like I said, you guys know I've, I've uh, had back issues, but like I had a massive back injury that, you know, I'm pretty much 100% healed from. I still got to be careful. But, you know, for me, it was like when I wake up in the morning, I can roll out of bed, put on my clothes and not even know and notice my back at all. Right. Like that would be, you know, how will you know that your life has changed? Like that would be one of the things. Right. Uh, for some people, it would be like, man, so I, I get through my day without a headache. I'm not stressed about, you know, can I pay for this, this food at the grocery store without looking at my bank account while I overdraft? I mean, I'm using different examples, right? Which specific things are different. You know, I have energy all day to play with my kids. I'm not sluggish and have brain fog and can't think and have such low energy that I become, um, you know, I just become mean to my family or I, I become disconnected, Right. So, you know, think about that. But the question, you know, what is progress anyway? If you're going somewhere, how, how will you know when you get there, right? And that's a great question for you. Like, it's a question I ask my business coach clients too. It's like, hey, if you're going somewhere, how will you know you got there? Tell me, like, draw it to me. Like, let me see it in vision, right? Or how will you know that you're on your way in the first place? Like, what are the markers? Like, what are the signposts, Right. Like, why it's pretty difficult to get anywhere specific without some semblance of a map. A lot of us never see the road signs and mile markers on our journey. And, like, you have to point those out, right? 
Like there's things that are that we have to be able to recognize that we're on the right path. Indicators that we're progressing, moving closer to our goals, right? That's very, very important. So, you know, what are the, th- the, th- the three things, at least in training or in, in, in fitness that I like to measure is body composition, right? How much lean mass and body fat do you have? That's a humongous one. And we know like, look, uh, body fat percentage is still one of the markers that like that, de- that determine health. Um, you know, the leaner that you are, the healthier you are, obviously to a certain degree. Um, but it's associated with health, period. Like the higher your body fat percentage, the, the more issues you have. Like that's been proven. Um, and then health, are your body systems operating well? You know, this is kind of like where you do blood work is, you know, is your, are your hormones functioning, functioning uh, right? Like anything else that's like just straight up health because, you know, you could be lean but have a ton of stuff going on that's unhealthy. And then fitness athletic performance. How do you perform in the gym or your chosen activities? Like whatever it is that you want to, uh, that you want to, that you want to uh, track, right? But like at, at the end of the day, it's like, how do you look, feel, and perform? And I always say that, like when we work on nutrition, I want to improve body composition. I want to improve performance. I want to pr- pr- improve health. All three. It doesn't, you know, if you have one without the other two, or if you have two without the, th- the third one, I, I don't think that's a success. Um, you know, so what are some things that you can measure with? Well, you might do, you know, measurements, actual measurements, you know, right hand, chest, hip, uh, uh, waist, thigh, right? Uh, photos, which I think are super powerful, right? We talked about body girths. We could do body, you know, we, we did the in-body measurements for for the challenge. So body fat percentages, weight. Um, but the thing is, while these are just like, you know, these numbers are helpful, they're, they're only a small part of what, you know, a, a client or even yourself will actually count as progress right because those things might improve strength but then you have blood profile triglycerides cholesterol i talked about how doing my blood work was was the first thing that i was like oh shit i gotta fix my sleep two years ago which i did but then you have speed and agility you have work capacity conditioning which i'm a big fan of that not, not enough people measure and you know we're, we're uh, we've been using HRV and we've been using Polar for car, uh, cardio, but you know I'm really trying to push Morpheus now with uh, Joel Soffer coming in. But then also immune system, you know, is your, your immune system is is your uh, you know core temperature low? I know like Jay, my friend Jay Ferruja is working on. He's always had a kind of lower core temperature, which has influenced his health. And he, you know, he started doing things that would bring that up. And that was a marker, right? So where you could take your temperature and go like, hey, I've, you know, in the last six weeks, I've ate the foods and done the things that help me bring my core temperature up because that's healthier for my immune system, right? So track what's important to, to, to you, right? Uh, now, remember, th- think about this. We talked about like lessons about identities and values and goals, Right. Okay, so an example, like identity, I'm a diligent, hardworking person, progress. Before I started this program, I felt like I always rush in to keep up, but with my two weeks of the first planning and scheduling habit, I haven't felt disorganized at all, right? Even when my kids, uh, you know, tried to, to throw my phone into the garden, like I was, I was cool, right? Like I felt organized, I felt in control. So that, like, that's progress. Like that's massive progress for somebody, right? If your value is like, it's, it's important to do a good job. Hey, before I started, you know, whatever, you know, insert XYZ program, I felt scattered, tried it too much at, at once with, you know, with my, my business clients. You know, now that I've been practicing doing only one thing at a time in my daily practices, you know, my clients are kicking ass, I'm kicking ass, um, I'm getting my reports in early, like I'm getting everything done so I can spend time with my kids. Progress, right? 
So you got to ask yourself, what specific indicators will tell me that I'm getting better at living and doing these things, right? So if I get what I want, how will I know? Stop there for a second. Write this down. If I get what I want, how will I know? Okay. And the thing is like, once you write that down, it's powerful because essentially it's like, you actually know what you're looking for. You actually have markers that, that you can, um, like, but I think that like, it was Garrett that was said, uh, when we were doing one of the warrior challenges back in the day and it was swimming and like, I love swimming, but I'm certainly not like, you know, Michael Phelps, but it was like, there was buoys in the water. Right. And it was like this, I think we like, we did a mile or a couple miles swim or whatever it was, but it was like, you didn't swim the whole thing. Cause that was overwhelming, but there was buoys in the water. And I was like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get to my first buoy. But I knew where it was, right? I knew where it was, what it was. So that's what you got to find out is what does that look like, right? So think about that because that's the, once again, like signposts, buoys, if if you're working hard but you don't know where you're going, like that's going to derail you and make you frustrated, okay? But if you're not getting where you want to, at least now you can... Um, course correct and we're going to talk about that a little bit right so a little thing about uh about habits okay now look we talked about habits you know how big a uh, big, big fan i am of habits but like habits and practices put us on autopilot right so your brain doesn't solve new problems all the time it pro- solves problems once then commits to the, the solutions to memory we talk about like you know habits kind of live in a different part of the brain than where we make our decisions like in our in our cognitive side of uh the, the brain right because the thing is it'll be too much like it'll be everything would be overwhelming walking down the street would be overwhelming with all the sights the sounds everything that's going on to have to filter through like you know what decisions you're going to make like if you had to think about like brushing your teeth or how you drive your car and all those different things right and think about it, like for once upon a time, you have to learn to eat like a grown up, like, you know, grasp the spoon, uh, you know, get the scoop of food, like get the fork in your mouth without stabbing yourself. Like that was all like really hard work. And at the beginning, you had to do this very consciously. Right. I mean, this was like, shit, this is really challenging. Or think of any new task that you take on. Like you got to be very conscious about it. Right now you can eat while you're doing other things. Shit, like people eat like when, when they're driving the car on their cell phone all at the same time, right? So your routine brain, uh, your sensory motor cortexes, which see and manipulate food, can go on autopilot. Handle aiming, you know, the fork at your face properly, putting it in your mouth, not stabbing yourself while you do that, you know, chewing up the food. But while your conscious brain you know, can make, you know, clever dinner conversations. So if I'm talking to Gene right now, it's like, we can be having a conversation, but guess what? I'm drinking my bag. I'm eating my frittata. Like I'm doing whatever else, right? Because those things are just like, they're, 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 on, they're on autopilot, right? So we have habits, but we have habits of, think about this. We only have, we have habits of thoughts. We have habits of feelings and emotions, physical sensations, behaviors. All of these can be pre-wired and ingrained pattern, just like eating with the fork, but just with a much bigger scope, Right? And the thing is, all these patterns strongly affect our daily lives and our experiences. So even though it's so easy to like fall in line with like, well, look, here's this chart, here's this meal plan, just do this. Like this is where it's really important to zone in on. Like habits can be more powerful than conscious thought or willpower, right? Because it will just bypass it. If you've done something a number of times, you know, like basically the brain goes like, shit, well, this is in this file. We're just going to automate it, right? Because there's other things to think about. 
So, you know, examples like if you ever look, you know, look, uh, found yourself looking for a car in a parking lot, forgetting that you took, you know, the bus that day. It's because, you know, a hundred times in a row, like you obviously drove to work and then you took the bus and you're so programmed into it. Right. And that that you were looking for it, it might might have taken you a while. Right. And this is especially true if your environment supports the habit. For example, if everybody around you normally drives to like that's going to trigger you to be looking for that car. Right. So. Just know you can use habits for positive or negative ends, right? You can create bad habits and you can break them, right? But you can use also use the autopilot feature to brain to create habits, good habits, and more so, you know, just habits that take you where you want to go. So here's a recipe for habits, right? Aside from making things faster and easier, many habits have another function to keep us feeling safe and secure. As humans, we've evolved in a scary environment without, without claws or teeth or developing brains, had to learn to sense and respond to fear and discomfort quickly and to try to make fear, discomfort go away, right? So we got things like the amygdala, our fear center, the insula, which is our awareness center, the anterior cingulate, which is like the oh shit, you know, uh, part of the brain and detects errors, emotional awareness and sensing pain, right? And that's, you know, uh, this, by the way, this is a great book, uh, is, uh, and I'm just looking at the, the, the notes here. Oh, it's um, You Are Not Your Brain. And, you know, because it talks about like deceptive brain messages. And I've done a seminar on this before. And, you know, when you get a thought or deceptive brain message, like a lot of times it's those three, right? The amygdala, the insula, the interior cingulate that are kind of controlling your brain, just looking for threats. And a thought comes in, which may not be true. And then you respond to that thought, right? So a deceptive brain message will make you feel uncomfortable, Right. Mentally, emotionally, physically, and then you make you do something to, uh, to to make the discomfort go away, which may be a habitual response. Now, this what's a perfect example here, right? Like, if you're if you feel threatened in some way, right? Some people, uh, like I said, that feel threatened in an environment because uh, they feel like somebody's trying to take control of them or overpower them or whatever it may be. They might go to food, and that's the response, right? So their habitual response to that to uh, you know, to the stress will be food, right? And that relieves the stress temporarily. Like you eat the food, oh man, I feel better. Whew, but that's temporary, right? Because that creates and reinforces the deceptive brain message. So meaning doing the unhealthy habit will make the discomfort go away. Same thing, stressed after work, you have a glass of wine, right? It calms you down. But then the next time you're stressed, you go, you connect those two. Hey, like, you know, when I'm stressed, Glass of wine, alcohol makes me feel better. And then that, that message gets reinforced and reinforced and it's harder and harder to break, right? So just like, you know, habits, there's, there's habit principles. And habits are a sequence of feelings, thoughts, and behaviors that are automatic. They're, they're usually supported by social and physical environment. That's why I'm always talking about why it's so important to, you know, assess like who you're around where you are when you're eating. Cause like you're, you're probably, if you're gonna keep the same environment, be a, a, around the same people doing the same things, your behaviors are probably gonna be the same, right? And habits are much stronger than conscious thought or willpower. So you can't out like, you know, when people go like, man, I just got, I gotta strengthen my willpower. You do over time as you keep doing better behaviors, you build your capacity, but you can't just be like out will like all these bad habits, right? So the habits are designed to make cognition, so thinking more efficient. They're meant to be shortcuts, right? So the brain is trying to help you out, but sometimes like it gets you in a, in a, in a whammy, right? Habits often make us feel more safe and secure and to avoid discomfort and distress. So think about that. That's awareness. And they can be both good and bad. And as a coach, 
don't just focus on eliminating bad habits. Actually, I would say spend most of your time building good habits because it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the process of rather than telling people to stop eating certain stuff, it's like how can you? It's dietary displacement, right? When people start eating more of the foods that that will help them reach their goals, they're they're going to automatically eat less of the foods that are taking them away from that, right? And we talked about you know the zone of optimal stress, you know. People will benefit from a little bit of good stress, but not too much, right? And so it's better to build good habits, which quietly replace the bad habits. Uh, I still see too much focus on people working on trying to break bad habits, and it takes a lot of stress to do that, right? So remember that. Better to have good stress than work on the bad stress. It's it's a lot easier to to do that. Now, so here's a couple of really good things. you know, I always talk about awareness, right? Awareness is precedes change. And uh, one of the keys in awareness is like noticing and naming, um, not judging, but noticing and naming certain things like what you're doing. So, you know, even, even like, for instance, if you get stressed out by a certain type of client and then, um, you know, and, and you're always like, oh, it's them. Like, that's where you got to st- like stop sometimes and go like, hmm, why am I getting stressed out here? You know, what's triggering me? You know, what is making me feel this emotion or reacting like that? that? Those are noticing and naming things. So don't try to change habits right away. And because I talked about awareness, how important it is, right? Just make people more aware of the habits. And, you know, this starts with you. But here's a couple of good conversa- conversation starters um, in any kind of scenarios. Like, have you ever noticed that and then fill in the blank, right? So for instance... Have you ever noticed that when I, uh, you know, when we talk about food, you automatically, um, you know, start saying that you're just not the type of person that, you know, that eats healthy, okay? Because what you're doing is you're not judging, right? You're just bringing it to awareness. It seems to me, it seems to me like, you know, filling the blank. It's instant, it seems to me like, you know, you really don't like XYZ foods, Right? I can see from your records that each time you do fill in the blank, you have a tendency to fill in the blank. Isn't that interesting? See, notice when I when you say it that way, right? So I'll give you an example here. I can see from your records that each time that you have a meeting with your boss, you have a tendency to go to this place and um, and eat more food. Isn't that interesting? Right? There's no judgment here. It's just awareness. It's shining a light on it. You're not even trying to solve the problem, right? You're just trying to create awareness around it. Pause for a moment. Tell me what you're doing with your posture right now at this point in the movement, right? So like when you're coaching somebody, right? That's a great thing to do because you're, you're creating awareness, right? So, hey, stop there for a second. Do you notice what you're doing with your posture right now? Oh man, I'm, I'm rounding my shoulders. Yeah, great observation. So what might you wanna do right, to, to get a better uh, lift or to get a better form in this lift? Oh, like pull, pull them together and like tuck my, tuck my uh, chin? great right way to create awareness around it now the thing is is like awareness is precedes change an assessment precedes awareness so what we're doing is we're creating in this situation we're noticing and naming but it's value neutral right you're just observing and describing without judgment i think that as coaches is really easy to jump the gun and like tell people what to do right like because you're you know your stuff and you're the expert but like that's a mistake okay so uh, 
you know, using those tools right there that I just mentioned, critical. All right, now, here we're going to go and and go a couple of uh, steps further. And one of the most important things that I, I also think that is a great drill for you, but something that can be used with clients to create an, uh, a, a whole bunch of awareness. Because once again, like we're going to do more of these shows because I think that, well, put it this way, we get great feedback around it. If there's one thing that you can apply, it's going to make you a better coach. So the last thing that I'm going to talk in today's podcast about is like tracking your time. Um, and this might be another one that kind of stands out and you go like, ah, you know, like I know what you're talking about. Well, uh, but I, I, are you really doing this for yourself and are you doing it for, for others, right? So to, like we're going to look at something we're often unaware of, our time, right? And in particular, we'll look at how we live our priorities through our schedule, you know, you guys know I've talked about this before, right? What's important to you is shown by what, where you put your time and energy and where you put your money. We're going to focus on time and energy uh, in this example, right? So we'll look at how we live our priorities through our schedule, how we, and how we can and should balance our time, how we can help our clients manage their time more effectively to improve their nutrition practice, right? So I'm going to show you a simple exercise that you can do with yourself and your clients to improve awareness. Um, and obviously with that is going to improve thinking and behavior, but start with yourself first. So, you know, whoever's listening to this, like you got to do it yourself first. Like I say, make a time diary, right? So grab a piece of paper, a notebook, a spreadsheet, uh, an app, a great one is Toggle or uh, Hours Keeper. Uh, and in 15 minute increments, and this is easy to do on your iPhone, track how you spent your day. Now you might go like, oh man, like, listen, just take an average day, right? And really see how you spent your day. I would even I would even go as far as to say, you know, spend a week or three to five days doing this because it's going to give you a pattern. Um, you know, so somebody might be like, hey, wake up, shower, get dressed, have breakfast, leave for work, uh, you know, commuting from X, Y, Z time to X, Y, Z time. Then you're at work, you know, from this time to this time you're working. Uh, and if you're working, you know, if, especially if you're an entrepreneur, I would I would certainly write down what you're doing after every activity because it'll show you like what you do at work. Uh, coffee break and so on for the rest of the day. Like you're literally writing down like in 15 minute increments. Uh, and like I said, if you did, I don't know, Pomodoro, you worked for an hour, cool, like write it down. You worked for an hour on XYZ, right? So that's step one, like literally write down everything. Number two is observe and analyze, right? So once you finished your time diary, take a look at it. Now here's, here's like what's really powerful. Add the time up spent on various tasks. For example, you're at work, nine hours total, right? Like if you're an entrepreneur, I would even go like, how much time did you spend on certain things like Facebook marketing, creating content, team meetings, systems, whatever, right? Uh, you know, and then you'd go like, hey, four hours at work actually working, two and a half hours at work cruising Facebook, 30 minutes at work hanging out with coworkers talking about reality TV, uh, two and a half hours commuting, uh, one and a half hours TV, one hour workout, so on, right? Now, this is powerful because once, once you create that, you got to ask yourself, okay, how am I spending my time? Okay. Look at the time spent on all tasks. Like it will probably blow your mind, right? Because one of the big things that most people say is like, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. Where do I fit this in? So on and so forth. Right. And then ask yourself, what are your top priorities in, in life? What are your goals? What are your top priorities? You know, if you're a coach, what are your top priorities in coaching? So what is important to you? What brings you joy? And the thing is, if you aren't sure what your coaching life priorities are, this is a good time to think about them. Go back to the lessons and goals, identities and values that I talked about earlier and, you know, 
and program for some ideas like you know if like what are the things you should be doing based on your values based on your identity and where you want to go so how much time are you actually spending on your top priorities and like i said we can shift this in work like if you if you got a business how much time are you spending on your top priorities in your business and you know on your coaching if you're a coach or how much are you spending on you know the habits to help you change if you like i said if if your goals are body transformation goals then like how much of that are you doing right does your schedule reflect your values this is very important does your schedule reflect your values and goals and then what are your time suckers right time suckers are things that take up time but they don't really benefit you right this could be standing in a lineup watching tv cruising the internet being physically at work but not doing any any, any fucking thing productive right etc now the thing is that a lot of time like people won't do this because it is it's you kind of subconsciously know that you know you're not aligned with the things that you want to achieve but this is where the awareness kicks in why it's so powerful right so given the things that you just went through hey what could you change about your schedule so that the time reflects your top priorities your top business priorities your top life priorities your top goals right your top coaching priorities how can you align those and there might be a lot like let's be real here right you might realize that there's so many parts of the day where you're not aligned and you you know you don't want to go about changing everything we just talked about changing one thing at a time but just moving forward you know what's one step what's one of those buoys in the water that you know you know like you'd be on the right track on the right place right so what might you need to change or adjust how could you do more of what you love in coaching or in your business or more of what you need to do in order to, to improve your body results your relationship results right that's why i said this is very interchangeable and transferable uh that we're talking about right are you still allocating 20 to 30 minutes in your data to studying you know to to working you know to listening to this podcast so you can apply this these strategies with your clients are you taking you know are you spending 20 to 30 minutes a day getting knowledge that you can apply to improve your nutrition to improve your body to improve your mobility right if not, it's a good time to recommit yourself to that practice, right? So just notice how improving your awareness of time spent like changes your behavior. It's pretty cool, huh? Because like reality is, you know, sometimes that's all it needs, the reality budge, right? Oh shit, like this is what my day would look like, right? And this is what my day is looking like. There's a gap. Okay, how can I start moving towards that? And this is a great, like once again, this is a powerful drill for you. It's a powerful drill, drill for your, your clients. And then step number three is consider the change, right? Could you do fewer things but with more focus? You know, like this this one like speaks to me a lot because, man, like I know I do too much and I've been better about delegating. I've, I've started bringing some people in my business um, that are helping out. You know, I've started like really figuring out what are the most important things that I can do. And, but you know, what does that look like for you? Could you do fewer things but with more focus that will get you better results and move you forward further on you know towards your goals so creating a priority list will help you decide what to do first you know cut down one time sucker right you don't not fucking all of them cut down one time sucker from from that list and how could you replace it with something and you know what you know what it is for me like i work probably too much right like for me like i could cut something out and go you know get an extra massage a week and you know uh, get extra float a week do some more kneeling, whatever it may be. But the recovery part, we talked about, you know, 
the the load as far as like the stress load, good stress, bad stress, right? And um, if necessary, use a timer. Decide in advance that you'll spend 10 minutes creeping your old school high friend's Facebook page, you know, watching videos of fucking whatever kittens. <laughs> but, you know, when alarm goes off, you're done, right? So, hey, you know, still do that, but like be done. Say goodbye to party photos. Ask for help. Delegate. You know, that was a big thing for me. Still think is, is, is a big thing. Um, Unitask instead of multitask. You know, just do one thing at a time. Plan, plan and prepare more effectively. Like when it's nutrition, hey, look, I have, if you guys have seen on video, like these are, these are my healthy snacks, these mini frittatas that I have for lunch. Um, I have dinners made, right? Because I noticed I was eating out so much and it was, you know, smashing my wallet, but also I could be eating better food and now I am. So I got that in a place. I prepared for it more effectively and now that my environment is helping me succeed with that, right? Let one small responsibility or task go. Find one small way to chase your joy and improve, improve your life, your coaching, right? What is that? Do you love running? Do you, uh, you know, learning ancient Sanskrit shit? I don't know what it is, but like do something that makes you happy. We talked about that in the happiness episode, right? Doing a certain program, okay? Uh, you know, how could you do it? How could you juggle your schedule to do more of that? Like just start modestly. Add, add 50 minutes something important, whether it's work, whether it's relaxing, whether it's pra- training, and, you know, cut out 15 minutes of something that's unimportant. 30 minute shift a day. It doesn't have to be hours of it, right? So think about that. And start with one thing at a time, okay? And like I said, like doing that time, uh, the time exercise is massively, massively powerful. I mean, honestly, if you could do, I don't know, each one of the lessons that I shared today could be very, very powerful. But I, I do feel that that last one is one of those things that, you know, yes, identify your goals. Like, find, you know, make sure that there's gravity to your goals. But then checking and aligning like what you're doing with, what, like what are you currently doing and does it match the things that would get you to where you want to go in all areas of life. I think that's very, very important. Once again, do this drill for yourself. And then if you're a coach, do this with your clients. And if you're like, if somebody that's trying to change, then these lessons go the same for you. These tactics, these methods, these principles. So with that said, I hope you loved the episode. Uh, Once again, as always, love to hear your feedback. If you go to iTunes, give that five-star review. Let me know. Give me the honest opinion, honest feedback of whether you like it. And, 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 and like I said, what you like to see more of, because for me, I, this is an extension of my coaching practice, whether it's business, whether it's, like I said, in the gym, whether it's everything that else that I'm involved in. And, you know, I love to get the feedback. I'm definitely going to do more of these coaching episodes. I, I did this one. And, and because the, because of the feedback to the previous ones uh, that you guys left to hear. And uh, so appreciate you. Make sure you tune in for the next one. And Coach Luke will be back with another episode real soon.